I just wanted to prepare your hearts, ladies. We're getting 5% of this message, and the men are getting 45% of this message. And I just believe that the Lord wants our hearts to be prepared as an obedient woman of the Lord, to know that uh, Sarah and Abraham, that he was not perfect, and he did things a little bit wrong, but Sarah's heart was obedient to the Father. She loved God, and as her husband led her in things that weren't always the right thing, Sarah's heart trusted in the Lord to, to do things in obedience to her husband, but yet in obedience to God. And God turned things around. And sometimes your husband right now, mine as well, ask us to do things that just don't seem right. And when we trust the Lord, the Lord brings it all about. So I thank Pastor Grant for allowing me to just give you a word to get your heart prepared that as you trust your husband, as you trust the Lord with your husband in these messages that are going on today, God is going to do a work that's preparing his heart, softening his heart. Some of you have an amazing marriage and some of you don't have one right now, but God knows your heart. Let him soften that. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Marlo. Why don't you turn around and greet three people this morning and tell them how thankful you are that they're here today. to New Hope Ministries again. Thank you for being here. How many of you were here that last night and were blessed by Pastor Dwayne? Amen. I, I'm, I'm one, of the, one, of the, uh, one of the group for sure. I love the statement about uh, getting married to be happy. I said, well, I'm not happy. I might as well find myself another wife. It's a wonderful thing. I don't remember that quite well. Real quickly, just uh, really just one announcement. I, I saw a couple people carrying these cards around. We needed, these, we needed them turned in. So if you have this in your back pocket, you have a question for Pastor Dwayne and Sue, get that to the registration table as soon as um, Pastor Dwayne finishes up. We need to get these turned in. Amen? Well, we got to stand with me. Let's welcome our <laughs> Pastor Dwayne Sheriff. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. Man, this has got to be one of my favorite churches to be invited to they've got a sign out there for me with my name on it for parking isn't that awesome i don't even have that at my own church it just says guest speaker anyway thank you i appreciate you so much let's get a a start we're gonna wind up in ecclesiastes so you can turn there. Father, thank you for this sanctified time. This is precious time. This is time well spent. And so I just thank you for a harvest on people's, on people's time that they're sowing for one of the most important things and issues in our lives. And so thank you for this opportunity. 
I pray that I would be a blessing in Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome again to our conference on happily married, happily married. I don't want to just be married, I want to be happily married. And that's God's plan for us, is that we enjoy life together as husband and wife, that we understand basic principles of marriage, of relationships, of communication, and things of that nature. And so I began to share last night, and I ran out of time on four four keys, four principles to every success story. And if your story of your marriage is going to be one of success, I promise you these four things will be involved. And when it comes to marriage, it's not just a one-time class that you attend and you've got it. Can I get a witness on that one? You don't just go to a class and learn the issue and subject of marriage and leave the class and go, wow, that was awesome. No, uh, life is class. Life issues, that's our class. And we're learning and growing together in this principle of even becoming one flesh, of becoming one flesh. So it's a journey that we, we are on. And, it, and to me, it's an adventure. It's exciting. We have enjoyed each other for 41 years. We've enjoyed the learning experience of husband and wife. We finally have come to a total place of when I mess up, it's fun now. Sue messes up so rarely, I get excited <laughs> when she messes up. So let's talk about these four keys again, and, and we'll jump start from there into today's message. But number one, in every success story, whether it's a doctor, a lawyer, a pastor, you fill in the blank, is knowledge, is knowledge. We have to have a basic knowledge of the marriage relationship in order to be happily, happily married. We have to understand certain things about each other and about what this thing called marriage is all about. And let me just say this. We need a biblical knowledge of the husband and wife relationship. There's a lot of philosophy being imposed upon the culture right now, even in the area of marriage, that is contrary to the Bible, contrary to the word of God. And so we need a biblical knowledge. Listen, not a religious or secular knowledge. Believe it or not, many things that are even learned in the church in regards to husband and wives is just tradition. It's just tradition. In Mark chapter 7, verse 14 says that the traditions of men can even make the word of God of none effect in our lives. So a lot of people have these stereotypes about a husband, stereotypes about a wife, stereotypes, even religious thinking. I'm going to hit some things if I keep my courage that's going to challenge a few of us here. And I guarantee in certain cir circles, when you start talking about men and women, there's some, there's some attitudes in the church that are not biblically based. Psalms 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need a knowledge of God's word in order to have light. Psalms 119, 130 says, The entrance of God's word gives light. And understanding to the simple. 
How many of you are pretty simple? Well, that's not enough. Amen. I'm a simple guy. All of my teachings, one of my goals in prayer and in seeking God is always to simplify things. In Corinthians 11, Paul talks about how that the devil has corrupted people's minds from the simplicity that's in Christ. We make things too complicated sometimes, and we need to get back to the simple things and a knowledge of God. Number two is sacrifice. Sacrifice. Matthew 16, 24 says, Jesus speaking to his disciples, that if you're going to come after him, you're going to have to deny self, take up your cross, and follow him. There's sacrifice to a happy marriage. There's sacrifice to raising functional children. Anybody got any kids? Amen. I've got, I've got four kids. I've got two daughters. I have raised two functional, born-again, spirit-filled daughters. I can raise the dead. Amen. I guarantee you I learned a lot just raising those kids about life, about understanding, about communication. I'm going to share some of those things later on in, in one, of our, one of our sessions. And so we have to, to sacrifice. You can't raise children and not have to deny self. And unfortunately in our culture, we're sacrificing our marriages for things instead of sacrificing some things for our marriages. And so that's an important one. Now, the one I didn't spend much time on is work. And this is a revelation to most people. It surprises me, but I've never had a conference like this and not had people that didn't understand how important it is that you work on your marriage. Most people do not have that concept of marriage as work until they're in trouble. And it's hard to build a house in a storm. We're supposed to be laying foundations and preparing for storms. Not waiting on a storm, not waiting on a problem, not waiting on collapse to begin to work on our marriage. And that's why I commended everyone in our first session and you now today for being here. For being here. This is important. Some of you have been married longer than I've been married that are here now. But I guarantee you there's things the Lord can speak to you and help you with, and you need to continually be equipped to be helping the next generation in being a role model, even in marriage. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, look at verse 9. Two people are better off. Well, I'm in the New Living Translation. I think I told them to put the... Well, we'll do the King James. We'll do the King James Version. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Two are better than one and they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. That's why I know this is talking about marriage. I mean, if you know you're supposed to be lying together and have heat. Just nod your head on that one, act spiritual. <laughs> then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? But if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. He goes from two 
husband and wife better than one, better than being alone, and that we have a great or a good reward for our labor. And then he talks about a threefold cord. How many of you know that a husband and a wife is the greatest bond and unity on the planet? And when a husband and wife truly come together in agreement in the Lord, Jesus is in the midst of that. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. It's Jesus in the middle of our marriage, I am confident, that has not only kept us together but made us happily married. There's just this assumption that if you marry the right one, everything's going to just naturally work out okay. And when it doesn't naturally work out okay, the devil tells you you married the wrong one. There's these concepts of people looking at a good marriage and they'll go, oh, their marriage was made in heaven. Jesus said we're not given in marriage in heaven. Marriages aren't given in heaven. Marriages are built on the earth. The road to a successful, healthy, happy marriage is under constant construction. And what I mean by that is you're constantly working on it. And the Lord is in the middle of that. And you'll get a reward for your labor. It is labor. And yet most young people especially have no idea what they're entering into. And just because the chemistry is good, and just because for the moment they're excited and happy, they think that's just going to automatically last. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9. Live joyfully. I like that. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of your life of vanity. That's interesting. Which he hath given thee under the sun, S-U-N, all the days of thy life. For that is thy portion in this life and thy labor which thou takest under the sun. Did you know, and this is controversial, so if you don't, if you don't like this, just let it go. I'll find something you like. Hang in there. A lot of people believe marriage is just for Christians. When marriage was given to humanity, not the church. Marriage came before the church. Marriage came before government. God instituted marriage, and it's a gift to humanity. And even for a lost person, how many of you know a life of vanity is living under the S-U-N and never have a relationship with the S-O-N? That's a life of vanity. You can acquire all the wealth of the world. On and on we could go with all the things of this life. And you accumulating all the things of this life. But what does it benefit a man if he loses his soul? And so one of the most vain things that can happen is for a man or a woman to live their life under the sun, independent of the S-O-N, son of God, and spend eternity separated from the love of God separated from the love of God. And yet, in that kind of condition, God says, I've given you a wife as your portion in this life. God intended marriage and a wife to be a piece of heaven on earth. Women are awesome. I, 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 I lean heavily toward the men in all of my conferences and teaching. There are things that the Bible teaches in regards to a wife, in regards to women, and we have to deal with those things. But I'm telling you, women are awesome. Women are such a blessing. Most of you aren't worth a plugged nickel without your wife. 
Thank you, brother. That's a happily married man right there. That's a bold man. That's a courageous man. Because I can testify, I couldn't believe the difference in my life after marriage compared to before I got married. And what a blessing Sue was to me in helping me. I confessed and shared how that I entered into marriage unprepared, immature, but I loved Jesus and I was determined to be all he had called me to be. And we agreed early that we would work on this. That we understood. I don't know how we knew. But I thank God there was that intuitive knowledge. I believe it was the Holy Spirit. Truly explaining to me and explaining to Sue. That we'll have a great reward. If we will make time for this. If we'll sow to this. Think about. How many people sow to everything else. But their marriages. That's how uninformed we are. In regards to what it takes to be happily married. And I'm not saying those things to condemn anybody. Certainly everyone watching me right now. I'm not condemning you. And I'm certainly not condemning those of you that are here. I'm trying to make a general statement to wake us all up. To help go wake other people up. This is important. And you have to work on it. And then there's the last one. Experience. Meaning we're supposed to learn daily from our mistakes i'm not sure what kind of relationship people have with the lord but we're supposed to have a relationship with the lord where we're humble and when we mess up we fess up and my relationship with the lord i've been growing continually i've been improving continually with this new life in christ and it's come from repentance it's come from saying lord i shouldn't have said that help me not say that that way help me to say it better lord i had a bad attitude there thank you for being merciful to me and helping me but i don't want to continue to have a bad attitude marriage is the same way we learn from each other in success and we learn from each other in failure i quoted this scripture but it's 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 worthy of repetition proverbs 24 16 says a just man falls down seven times but he rises up again. It's a fool that falls into mischief. And if you'll read that scripture, it doesn't talk about the fool recovering himself. It's a fool that has a bad attitude toward his wife and doesn't repent and do better. Thank you for that thunderous applause. Please sit back down. I'm in a hurry. We need to learn from our mistakes. And man, I've made my fair share of them. I don't condemn anybody for a divorce. I believe I am happily married for 41 years, not because I'm better than anybody else, not because I'm special or Sue's better than anybody else or special. We're married and happily married because we have fallen down and got back up. We've fallen down, and notice in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two are better than one, and if one falls, they have a fellow to pick them up. One of the keys in successful parenting and successful marriage is learning how to pick one another up after we fall, not kick one another while we're down, not condemn one another while we're down, and not keep pushing one another once we've fallen down. Sue has always been there to be quick to forgive me, to pick me back up. 
I came home one day. I was tired. I just wasn't thinking. My self-awareness was gone. I wasn't fully present. And I walked in. And the first thing out of my mouth is, what in the world is that smell? Yeah, some of you know the, the hole I just stepped in. And boy, she snapped back at me and said, that's your dinner. <laughs> How many of you know I fell down? Amen. And I thank God for a wife that got tickled at me instead of just beating me up over it for six weeks. Amen. I've got a friend, an elder. He's a rancher. And when you're in the ranching business, you get a lot of things on your boots that the average wife doesn't appreciate. And he came home and he had lost all self-awareness. He wasn't fully present. And he walks in with cow poo all over his boots and set them right there. At least he took them off before he went into the carpeted bedroom. But he took them off and man, his wife went, what's that smell? And he realized what he did, but he came back and he said, that's money. (laughs) Yeah, you're good catching that one. I mean, that's the smell of money. Hallelujah. We all make mistakes. We misspeak. We mishandle something. It's, it's a part of our humanity. And the beauty of a healthy marriage is learning to serve one another and help one another in what we do that is right and continue to improve. And when we mess up, deal with it while it's still a small thing. It's work. It's experience. And so let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3 and talk about husband and wives here. And a lot of your questions actually deal with the first six verses of this chapter, and I skipped these six verses. I must have been led by the Lord. Because a lot of questions came in on how to deal with a husband that's not cooperating. Women just have an intuitive hunger for God. Women tend to get saved before men get saved. They have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit because they're created sensitive creatures. They're actually created to be submissive. It's, it's the divine design within a woman that God gave her to come under the authority of a husband. And so she just even has a tendency to be more submissive to God at times. I don't have time to explain this, but I asked the Lord one time. I can't explain it. I just don't want to. I asked the Lord one time, why are we called to primarily be the leader? And I'm going to teach you some of those things. The head of the family, the head of the wife, when it just seems like in human experience in the church, women seem to be more responsive than men. In the home, women just seem to be more responsive than than men. Women just seem to seek God quicker than men, and it puzzled me. I had a men's retreat one time, and more women showed up than men. (laughs) There's never been a meeting 
I've ever held where there were more men than women. And I don't know if I want to say this because I guarantee you 90% of you aren't going to be able to receive this and I don't have time to show you biblically. And so I'm struggling. Do I even say it? But one, yes, this, this is a good row right here. Before sin ever entered the world, it was the woman that Adam or Satan deceived, and Adam was standing right there when she disobeyed God and yielded to the voice of the devil. And in the New Testament, the woman is not held accountable for original sin that entered the world, but Adam was held accountable. Now, I'm going to say this and just let it go. Women do have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, but they also have a sensitivity to the wrong spirit. And so God calls the husband to be the covering, to be the head, the protector, the provider, because we are slow at times, but we're worth waiting on. I've told Sue that many a time. I may be slow, darling, but I am worth waiting on. Hallelujah. I will catch up. Men are created to be protectors by design. You have to develop it. Men are created to lead by design. You have to develop it. Not all men are good leaders, but all men are leaders. You're either going to, as a man, lead a gang in the streets. You're going to be a Hitler leading a country into depravity. But we're designed to lead, to protect, to guard. And so, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, it deals with the woman on how to reach a guy that's not responding to God. And it talks about our apparel. See, I didn't want to read all that because I knew I'd get bogged down like I'm doing right now. And I knew I'd have to deal with all the things I grew up under. Because it talks about women not wearing certain things and, and apparel and gold and on and on it goes. And I grew up under a system where women were beat constantly over those very scriptures when, when they're not really talking about you can't wear a nice dress, you can't wear jewelry, you can't wear makeup. I grew up in a circle where women couldn't wear makeup. My God, I'm not going to preach that. I've got to look at you while I'm preaching. <laughs> Thank you for receiving that. That's when somebody gets up and walks out, usually. It's like, <laughs> amen. He's talking about you're not going to change your husband that's not receiving the things of God by your outer man and your apparel. He says, you've got to put on this meek and quiet spirit in order to reach him in the things of God. I'm getting way ahead of myself but I need to say it now because of the context. Men respond and bond to respect. Women respond and bond to love. 
Women need loved. They, they respond to kindness, touch, chivalry. I don't care what the culture says. We need a resurrection of chivalry within the church. Women need loved. Hugs, kisses, holding hands, gentleness, kindness. It's, it's how they bond. Men bond by respect. There's a, there's a tremendous, I, 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 I love my brother, I love your pastor, and there is a supernatural bond that we do have. But I know what it is. It's respect. I respect him. I know what 41 years of ministry takes. I know the longevity it takes to pastor 41 years in a city and touch a whole city. I know what that takes. And there's just this automatic respect for him, and it bonds us. I'm not close to Pastor Grant because he sends me flowers once a month. <laughs> Don't you be sending me no flowers. <laughs> now, just because I want to be led by the Spirit, even though I have an outline, let me say something here that I wish I had a whole hour to talk about. Men do not respond to nagging. Nagging is disrespect. And any woman, I can help any woman one-on-one -on -one understand how a man is feeling when you're nagging him, when you're pressuring him. All I got to do is make sure you have kids and a woman gets that feeling when her kids disrespect her. There's something about when your children just disrespect you that something rises up in you. A man is that way. A man doesn't respond to disrespect. He would rather dwell in the corner of the attic <laughs> than in a broad house with a brawling woman. There's just something about us. I can't fully explain it, but let me tell you what a man wants. Peace. And he'll, he'll do anything to have peace, even if it means just shut up. He'll do anything to have peace, even if it means get away from you in hunting, fishing, golfing. Y'all didn't do good on that one. We'll move back over here. Now, here's the revelation, though. Here's the revelation. Women, listen to me. Men, listen to me. Give me just a chance here to help you. There is a fine line, though, between nagging, listening, and holding him accountable. I deal with this all the time, that a lot of men will be saying, she just nags me all the time. Now, I'm willing to talk to her, and I'm willing to minister to her and explain to her how nagging will not change him. A meek and quiet spirit is how you change a man that's disobedient to God. But then I have to explain to the man, and they don't like it. They do not like it. There'll be like eight things. I'm just using this as an example. There'll be eight things. So I'll tell him, tell me what nagging is. Tell me how she's nagging you. He'll say, she's this, she's this, she's this, she's this, she's this. We'll go to five because I ran out of fingers. <laughs> and then I have to sit down and show him how that three of those are her not nagging you. She's holding you accountable. She's trying to get you to be the man God's called you to be and to stand up and lead this family. Stand up and treat these kids, yes, with authority, but don't abuse them. Amen. 
And see, that's a whole, I, I believe I could do a seminar on that. And yet, how many times, be honest, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, how many times have you heard anybody ministering on marriage and the issue of nagging versus the issue of holding someone accountable? I have caught myself thinking Sue was nagging me and kind of pushing me, and I would lovingly push back, and then I would discover, wait a minute, she's just trying to hold me accountable to my role. She needs me to be the husband God's called me to be. She needs me to cover her. She needs me to lead in vision. She needs me to lead in goals and goal setting and leading my family. Amen. So I'm going to skip verses 1 through 6. Because we had a word, we literally had a word from a sister on Sarah. So you need to read those because it deals with the woman and how that Sarah called Abraham Lord. Now, see, you've got to be careful there. That takes 15 minutes. I don't have it to explain. Yeah, woman, bow down. Call me Lord. <laughs> no, I'm going to call you dumb. Dumb to the second power. <laughs> Here's where I want to get. After he deals with a woman on how to reach a, a man that's not obeying God and what you need to put on, a meek and quiet spirit, look at verse 9, and I'm telling you, this is over the top. One verse, five building blocks to a happy marriage in one verse. Five building blocks in one verse. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them, that's our wife, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Look at this, that your prayers be not hindered. I've been in church most of my life. I backslid, backslid for a season as too long to explain what happened to me. I actually didn't even give up on God. I gave up on me serving God. And so I had this, this gap. But basically, I mean, I packed a bag at nine years of age and was leaving home to preach the gospel. That's how hungry I was for God. That's how real God was to me. And that's how sensitive I was at nine years old to hear his voice. I packed a bag and was leaving home crying. My parents weren't serving the Lord. I've apologized to them before they, they've both gone home to the Lord. I led them both to the Lord before they died. So I want to honor them. They didn't know any better. They were lost. But man, my dad just... What is wrong with you, boy? They thought I needed psychological help. They thought something was wrong with me. He looked at me and goes, and he went, boy? Always started off, boy, you got to pay attention. Boy, where are you going? And I was crying because I didn't want to leave home. I didn't know where I was going. God called me. And I gave him a one-word answer. I don't know. One word. I don't know. I don't know, where I'm, I don't know where I'm going. Just God spoke to me, and I'm called. 
I mean, I didn't have, I don't even know what was in the bag. I didn't have any peanut butter. I'd have died in three days, three days. And I'd have missed God's plan for my life. I'm trying to just make the point, that's how hungry I was for God and how I sought God. And yet, and yet how could I be in church that long and not hear some of these basic principles of marriage ever from a podium? As I got older, what you did hear in regards to sex was all negative. And what you did hear about marriage, the women had to wear armor that week in order to endure. And yet in one verse here, it's the husbands that are told five things that are basic building blocks to a healthy relationship, to how to, how to have a marriage, how to be happily married. Let's go through them in order. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge. The Amplified Bible says we are to have an intelligent recognition of the marriage relationship. And be honest, how many husbands have an intelligent recognition of the marriage relationship? How many husbands are taught and trained early that it is your responsibility to know what a marriage is, what the purpose of marriage is, what the priority of marriage is, what the purity of marriage is. I deal with these things in that book on union with Christ because the last verse or part of that verse says that your prayers be not hindered. How can I grow up in church my whole life and somebody not say, hey, we're going to talk about marriage today but let me motivate you, men especially, how important this is. If you're not dwelling according to knowledge with your wife, your prayers are going to be hindered. That's new covenant. How many people have gone to church and ever heard marriage is spiritual, not carnal? And yet Peter, an apostle, an authority over the church under the new covenant said, look, you are under God's amazing grace, but it's released by faith. And if you don't dwell together as husband and a wife, according to knowledge, you're going to hinder the answer to prayers. How many of us would work on this more? How many young people would go into marriage better equipped and prepared and work on it if they understood the connection that it's called holy matrimony for a reason. And that if we are going to fuss and fight and have strife in our marriage, we're going to hinder our prayers. I don't know about you, but as a pastor, I can't afford to have my prayers hindered. And let me give you a heads up. You can't afford to have my prayers hindered. Amen? You need me to be able to pray effectually. So you need me to have a happy marriage. Thank you for your support. And all I need is more money. That didn't fly. How many, how many people want 
and think in a congregation, we need Pastor Grant and Susan to be happily married. We don't need strife in them. We don't need stress on them. We need to do whatever we need to do as a church to make sure they're healthy in their marriage because it's going to affect our well-being if their prayers get hindered. You can't build a healthy church. You can't build a church in this third great awakening without your leaders being effective in prayer. I need to teach them all how to be happily married. Man, that's awesome. So you dwell together according to knowledge. The next building block for us husbands is honoring the wife. Honoring the wife. Honor means to esteem. Honor means to value. Honor means to count as precious. As precious. Every man in here, every man within the sound of my voice, your wife was built and made and designed by God to respond to honor. She will and her best side will come out of her when you esteem her highly, when you prefer her. When you think of her, I don't want to ruin it for women, but a lot of women don't know why do flowers. Now, flowers don't mean, flowers don't mean the same to every woman. But in that same category of nonverbal communication, a love language of a woman What blesses a woman with flowers isn't the flowers. It's that you thought of her. It's that you remembered something besides your old selfish self. A card. It's not the card. It's the thought. It's honor. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another in in hebrews 13:4 marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled honors an important part of a husband and wife relationship and god calls the husband to honor the wife prefer her Think of her. We'll get into some other scriptures about cherishing her, nurturing her. And so honor is number two. Number three, now this is powerful. This is when it could be fun or miserable for some of you. Number three, basic building block husbands are called to in one verse. Knowledge, honor, as the weaker vessel. Weaker vessel. You know what that speaks of? Differences. We are different. And you have to have help to miss this. And yet I'm telling you, in the culture, people are trained, especially on college campuses, on how to miss this. You can, you can just look around and tell we're different. Don't do it right now. We're different physically. We're different psychologically. 
We have value differences. Now, let me back up here. Because unfortunately, in the church, we have been spoiled. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, we've been spoiled through the philosophies of men. Most people go to church, and they know more what the world thinks about things than what God thinks about things. And so you're constantly fighting, even in the church, worldly philosophies. When I say men and women are different, you know what the world hears? That are demonically blinded? They hear lesser than or inferior to. And God didn't say, and I never have said, that a woman is inferior to a man or lesser than a man. I just said we're different. Because God says we're different and God created us different. And until we understand these differences, we're not going to be able to dwell together according to knowledge. We're not going to have peace. We value different. We perceive things and see things different. Let me say this too. Different doesn't mean lesser than or inferior to, and listen carefully, especially you guys. Different doesn't mean right or wrong. You know why most marriages collapse? There's lots of reasons, but one of the reasons is one spouse trying to make the other spouse see everything like they see it, value everything like they value it. Sue values things differently than I do. She doesn't value a 6.5 Creed more with a 50 millimeter scope. You hand Sue. You, you come... You come Sunday, you come back Sunday, and you bring Sue a 6.5 Creedmoor rifle with a 50-millimeter scope and hand it to her and watch the look on her face. But you bring a 6.5 Creedmoor rifle with a 50-millimeter scope to me Sunday morning, and put it in my hands? <laughs> Does that mean I'm right? And she, you see how we think though? You'd have to, you'd have to wheel in a hutch with plates in it that say China. Listen up guys, never take your wife shopping to a place for plates that are on a table. Sue said she needed some plates one time. We went to Target and I watched that blue light. And when it got to the plate section, <laughs> y'all didn't like that either. I don't value a plate that doesn't have the price on it. It's like a car. If it doesn't have the price on it, you can't afford it. It doesn't mean anything to me. China. China. I don't even like the sound of sound of China. <laughs> Drapes. I do not break out in a happy dance <laughs> over drapes. It's just not going to happen. And it doesn't matter how long I'm married. It doesn't matter how long I pray in the spirit. I'm never going to break out in a happy dance over a pair of shoes. Sue asked me one time, Oh, I don't want to tell that. It just came to me. But Sue asked me one time, how many guns do you have to have? 
Well, I didn't know how to respond to that, so I just asked, how many shoes do you have to have? <laughs> That's a mystery to me. I mean, how many black pair of shoes do you need to have? No man's going to understand that or value that. But I can honor her in that. Nod your head, act spiritual, fool your neighbor. <laughs> if I'm going to spend $100 on fishing equipment, I shouldn't lament her spending $100 on drapes. Man, I don't value Hang those old sheets up. <laughs> Save some money. We don't understand. We have value differences. We bond differently. I've already covered some of that. I'll, I'll share scriptures on that here in a minute. But we're different. And I don't know if I can remember all these in order. I hope they're in the notes. But you're not going to be happily married till you acknowledge you have differences and that's okay. And then after you acknowledge that there are differences and that's okay, we have to accept that. Sue has to accept, I value things differently and now that's okay. I remember a great conversation. Maybe some of you need to have this conversation. It's helped me throughout my marriage is me choosing to understand she feels about the shoes the same way I feel about the 6.5 Creedmoor. I don't want to make her feel what I feel about that, but if she feels about that china, what I feel about that scope, get the china, baby. <laughs> I'll dance with you. Amen. It's, it's a part of the five basic building blocks for the husband of I've got to understand she's the weaker vessel, simply meaning we're different. We're different physically. Our hormones are different. That means we chem our chemistry is different. Our genetic code is different. I have a Y chromosome. I think I got that right. I hope I didn't have a dyslexic moment, but I think I have a Y chromosome that she doesn't have. Did I get that right? XY boy, XX girl. That's chemistry. That's genetic. That's DNA. God is screaming out with your blood, you're different. So the day you acknowledge it is the day of happiness. The day you then accept it is an evolution. Then listen, the third evolution in differences is accessing it. I'm glad now she's different. I'm glad she sees it differently than I see it. Instead of arguing, let's talk about it. Most people argue over their differences on how to raise the kids, on how to handle the money. Why don't you access your differences? Why don't you communicate and learn to communicate? And maybe her difference is for your benefit and you being different is for her benefit and you'll come to a conclusion that's for the benefit of God. And the fourth one that I'm enjoying now is I just appreciate our differences. I get tickled at our differences. She gets tickled at me all the time. Sue has so much fun. Anyway, let that go. So we've got knowledge. We've got honor. We've got number three, the weaker vessel, meaning differences. Now here's the balance in one verse. Here's the balance of our differences. Number four, we're heirs together of the grace of life. A happy marriage. I'm hollering. Don't mean to holler. 
I just got excited. I just get excited. A happy marriage is where I recognize our differences, but now I also reconcile that with we're heirs together of the grace of life. That while God made us different, we're equally loved by God. We have an equal inheritance. We both have equal access to God. I grew up in a church where women in general had to go through men to get to God. That is, that is bad. That's just error beyond measure. How many of you know there's one mediator between us and God, and that's Jesus, and that a woman, even a wife, doesn't have to go through a husband to get to Jesus? We have the same name. We have the same authority. We have the same armor. We have the same Holy Spirit. So see, a good marriage is when the wife and the husband... Uh, Acknowledge differences, but listen, here's a phrase God gave me. There's equality in our diversity. You're not going to learn that on a college campus. The world is trying to make us all the same. The devil is into sameness. Same incomes, same housing, same benefits. Same opportunities, sameness. And it is God Almighty that made us all different. We're all different. There's differences between males. And there's differences between females. And there's certainly differences between males and females. And yet in the kingdom of God is where we find equality. Listen, in diversity. We don't have any children in here. I'll still be careful. I don't want to cross a line here. But God made us different physically that points to our differences emotionally, mentally, psychologically. And it's in our differences physically in unity that we bear fruit. Without me getting too specific or making anybody, especially myself, uncomfortable, how many of you know men have different plumbing than women? Is that, is that good enough for you to get the picture? You got a man with different plumbing and a woman with different plumbing. They are different. And the only way there can be one flesh is equality in diversity. It's when the two differences come together and become one flesh. See, when you got... When you got male and male coming together, you don't have equality and diversity, and you don't have one flesh. You've got what the Bible calls strange flesh. The one flesh principle in the Bible is a male and a female, different, but they come together in unity, and in unity and their diversity, they conceive and bear children or fruit. One of the things the church has missed is Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, and Colossians chapter 3. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, that talks about there's neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, male nor female. 
But we've all become one in Christ. Now, he wasn't saying God doesn't look at us and he doesn't see male or female. God is not suffering from gender confusion. He knows I'm still a male. And he knows Sue is still a female. But in his kingdom, we have an equality with the same inheritance and the same benefits of the sacrifice of Jesus and the shedding of his blood. And now it's in our our diversity coming together in unity, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace that we bear much fruit in the church. A good church doesn't make everybody come and make us all the same. A good church recognizes diversity, but we're going to come together in the unity of the Spirit, and in that unity we're going to bear much fruit in this city. I'm not going to try to make you a girl if you're a boy, or a boy if you're a girl, or white if you're black, or black if you're white. We're going to dwell together in unity in which there's an equality that we have under God that now our diversity is celebrated and fruit comes out of it. That's how backwards the world is and how messed up the church has become. That's why it doesn't offend me anymore if people get offended at me and don't see it my way. Because if I ever sound like the 6 o'clock news, I'm missing God. If I sound like a college professor, the average college professor, I'm missing God. If I sound and I just echo the ignorance of the world, the culture, I'm not following God. The devil perverts everything of God. He can't create anything, so he perverts the things of God. He knows that our fruitfulness is determined by our our equality and our diversity. And so he tries to get unity in the world and it's called the woke movement and sameness. And it's deadly and destructive to the to the church and especially to the culture. And so you've got you've got knowledge, you've got honor, you've got the weaker vessel, but then you've got heirs together of the grace of life. And then the fifth one, that your prayers be not hindered. Did everybody see that flow? No? Praise God, it's recorded. You need to go over it and over it, and I'm encouraging every man in here not only to understand those five building blocks, but to teach every man you can come in contact with. This is how to be happily married. And that God puts that on the role of the husband those five things to understand in Matthew chapter 18 verse 18 wherever two or three or wherever two of you are gathered together and agree on anything it'll be done for them of my father which is in heaven there's no greater bond and unity in prayer and the prayer of agreement than a husband and a wife no greater bond on the planet than that and you think Satan doesn't know that Satan at large is wiser than the church. He knows if a husband and a wife ever become one flesh, nothing will be withheld from them. Their prayers will avail. And so what does he do? He's constantly getting you to pick at one another and to argue with one another and to divide 
If I could just get one thing in closing, I got a minute, a little over a minute. It would be to encourage you that you working on your marriage is spiritual. It's not carnal. It's not just so you can be happily married. No, being happily married includes prayers being answered. Your children need you to understand those five things. Your friends, your co-workers need you to understand those five things. Our church needs you to understand those five things, guys. And for the wives to help the husbands in those five things. This is just a real revelation to me. I remember seeing that, and how can God in one verse say so much? I'm telling you, the God we serve, listen to this, the God we serve says more in silence than we can say in a lifetime. That one verse, I want to encourage every man in here, go over it, go over it, go over it, and ask the Lord to help you, and let your wife help you. Because most of the questions that we got were from, from wives needing help on how to encourage their husbands. And I'm doing that for you. And I'm hoping the men are at least humble enough. They were humble enough to be here. Hopefully they're humble enough to, to receive from me and let you speak into their lives. Just be respectful, amen. Come on, men. You're not responding to me when I talk to you and then I nail your wife and you still sit there. <laughs> Ladies, be respectful to your husbands. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Father, I just thank you for these basic building blocks. I thank you for the keys of success. Every man in here was designed to succeed. It's our DNA. We want to conquer. We want to overcome. We want to prevail. We want to be successful. That's our, our drive. Well, Father, help us to have those same desires for our marriage that we want to conquer. We want to overcome. We want to be victors in marriage, not victims. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Everybody give the Lord a amen. hand clap of praise. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate that. A couple, a couple announcements. One is that um, please visit the product table during this break. We're going to take a 15-minute break. We're going to get started exactly at 1030 to keep the schedule going.